So my brother works on Wall Street doing something about interest rates for global transactions or something. I don't know. Whenever he starts talking about whatever the heck it is he does, my eyes start glazing over before they start rolling into the back of my head. So whenever that happens, I steer the conversation toward the Mets. The only thing he can get his worked up about is economic policy. If you're like him, just as likely to rant about your team's closer or manager as you are to rant about the Fed chair or the Treasury secretary, have we got a deal for you. The economy is opening up, ready or not, and with it, the world of sports. Stay ahead of the curve on both fronts, the unparalleled knowledge and reporting of world-class news desks, covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports, often in the same story. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you're not already a The Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. That's a great deal. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus, both of the Athletic. Mark, hello. How you doing, Scott? Good. How's uh, how's the new house treating you? Uh, it's empty so far. I'm sitting, literally sitting in my car in the driveway because the carpet cleaners are there and they're very loud. So uh, hopefully soon I will be able to actually live in it. About a week away from that, though. Nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's weird. We, we don't have as much to interact about on Slack or uh, elsewhere these days. It's a little strange not to have as much interaction with you. Well, we talk about the our car shopping and the home shopping and uh, <laughs> girl dad life. You know, the usual. Yeah. Uh, I freaked out the other day. I couldn't find my title in my car, and then I wasn't sure how that works, so I I took apart my entire home office, and then they said I could just come in, and as long as I had some kind of paperwork. So, yeah, it was, uh, I got my car. You know, you know I it's, freaked it, it's, out it's, last minute. It's amazing to me that we live in the world, and it's cliche to say, but it's 2020. We put a man on the moon, you know, 50 years ago now, and... Uh, you know, we did a closing on the house on Friday, and I had to sign in ink on paper like ninety-five thousand documents. Like, how is this not all electronic yet? Who is taking all these papers? Then they went and they photocopied every single sheet of it to give me a copy of it, me and my wife a copy. So there's just this giant stack of papers, and where is it going? And who's filing it? And how are they going to find it if they need it down the road? And, and do, do they? How is this not all done on computers yet? What are we doing here? I don't know. The, the car dealership, when I went in to get the car, had me. They, they're like, oh, we're just going to start doing the e signing. But he's like, we're also going to do the paper one just in case the e signing doesn't work. It's like, well, <laughs> what's, what's, what's the point of this? So, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and I got to do it again in a, in a week and a half when we sell our house. So, oh, fun. Um, so, I, I, we, we had an idea for today. We'll see how this goes. But basically, it was role playing if we were the Blackhawks hockey ops and uh, I guess whoever else involved in it. But the, the, the talk about the offseason and kind of probably what Stan Bowman and uh, company are trying to go through now, um, planning for this offseason, planning the future of the organization, and um, so I, I guess I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't. If you want to create an accent, or how do you you want you want you want? I, 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 I could name? I, I could do the Stan Bowman monotone and like filibuster every answer for like 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, the guys, like it, it's always weird with Stan Bowman because he's really a good quote actually, 
but he says so many words that it's hard to get to like go in and find the right ones. He always has something interesting to say, but he says it in so many words. He'd be a great senator because he filibusters <laughs> you like, you know, oh, I got 20 minutes to sit down with Stan Bowman. This is great. I'm going to get to four questions because every answer is so nuanced and detailed, which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because you can't get to all the things you want to talk about. I-, I was thinking about what the direction should be. And I think if I'm the Blackhawks, like I don't, I don't project this being a cup contender next year, right? I don't know how you could, you know, realistically say that. No. But what are you? Some... What are you playing for next season? Are you playing a long game here? Or are you still trying to squeeze out one more cup run in these next three years while you have everybody under contract? That's the you, big you... question. What's crazy? Last offseason still just befuddles me. Like they added Modern to Han, and then you added to Keith and and Murphy and Seabrook, and all of a sudden you had. You have five defensemen that are all signed through 21-22. Like, you knew that the youth was coming on, right? And and at some point, Mitchell and Boquist, these guys are supposed to be here. But you've brought on so much salary and so many, so much term. Like, there's, like, I think that's the biggest obstacle of the near future is even bringing in young guys to, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it, like, like, Seabrook, like, you don't know where he's at, but you can't really do anything with this contract. And you... Yeah, even those other four, like you can buy out Mata now, but Mata was your best defenseman in the playoffs. You right. know, like <laughs> over the last, I was looking at the January 9th is when Colleton went to Cuckoo and Mata, and over that span, they were the two best defensemen, and, and they didn't get as many minutes, but their minutes were five on five, was pretty comparable to everyone. They were by far the two best defensemen, and like you could easily let those two guys walk, and you know, you give Mitchell and Carlson those guys minutes, but I'm not sure it's really going to fix what's the issue like ultimately you may take a step back if you get rid of Mata and Cuckoo well you know you know what happened last year you know how in tennis sometimes you get stuck in no man's land where you're not at the baseline but you're also not up at the net you're kind of caught in between and you don't know what to do and you basically can't do anything because if they if they if they give you a volley shot you're not really close enough to get to it you're going to wind up hitting in the net and if they hit it to the baseline you're not going to be able to get back to it that's where the Blackhawks were last year they had that that really good second half of the season where they played the second half of the season at like a hundred point pace and I think Stan Bowman knew that his job was tenuous at best having fired Joel Quenville and brought in the new coach and things were going well, he thought, I don't have time to sit here and wait another year or two for these young guys to get in. I'm going to try to win now. And that's what Robin Leonard was, and that's what Ole Mata was, and that's what Calvin DeHaan was. It wasn't the right decision in the big picture, as mm-hmm. we're seeing now, because now they're hemmed in. But at the time, he was thinking about the 2019-2020 season. And I don't think he was thinking much beyond that, because he was GMing for his job in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And the team did play very well the second half of the season. He was th- thinking that it was going to pick up where they left off. They most certainly didn't. They were a bad team in October and November. So it didn't work out. But I think that's what happened last year. So this year, you got to pick it. Are you, gonna, are you at the net, or are you on the baseline. Are you playing for the 2020-2021 season or are you playing for three years down the road? That's the decision the Blackhawks front office has to make. I think you're playing for 2021 or 2022. Like the way that I look at everything, the contracts and everything, you can't move Kane or Taves at this point. Like their their contracts are too much. Like no one has cap space. I think I think you should ask Duncan Keith what 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 what's your appetite for? Like, do you want to be part of this or, you know, like I know Keith wants to play until he's eighty years old, but you know, like you you probably have a realistic number five years in you maybe maybe one more contract, um, you know, short term. Like, where do you want? And, and at this point, maybe do you start talking with Seattle? Like, what what's 
what would we have to give you to probably, you know, take Brent Seabrook in that expansion draft? Like, where is that at? Because, like, if two years from now, like, if next year you're playing Mitchell and Carlson and give them a lot of ice time and uh, you're freeing up those opportunities, um, and then, a, you know, a year from now, like, if, if Seabrook's no longer on the books and, you know, if Keith's no longer on the books and uh, I, I imagine they maybe walk away from Saad, too, when he's UFA, like, all of a sudden you have a chance to... If you have some cap space, and as long as the NHL's in the kind of financial landscape, some teams are really going to be up against it, and the teams that have cap space in the next few years can really make some dents, because one, uh, people have to take shorter contracts, but also other teams are going to be up against it and probably trying to make some trades that'll probably be more beneficial to the you know the team they're trading with. So I, I think in some way that you, if you can give those young kids more ice time again for another year, maybe take your lumps, bring in Crawford for a one or two year deal, just so that it's some respectable still but really give those ice time to those young kids and then start trying to figure out a way to step away from some contracts that create some cap space in the next couple of years i mean seattle really is the only real realistic option for seabrook right i mean you're not going to be able to trade him straight up to somebody but a team like seattle that's going to have a ton of cap space to play with obviously starting from scratch no huge contracts on the books they can maximize that leverage by saying, all right, yeah, we'll take Seabrook. You know, he's a, sort of a local guy. He'd probably want to come here, you know, not too far from his home in, uh, you know, British Columbia. You know, all right, but what's it going to take? We're going to want one of your top prospects, or we're going to want a first-round draft pick, or we're going to want this, that, this, that, and this in order to make it happen. What if they say we also want Alex to bring it? I mean, I don't know, you know, what, what, how, how drastic a step are you willing to take in order to move Brent Seabrook's contract? That's the question the Blackhawks have to ask themselves. What are they willing to give up? They gave up Tavo Teravainen to get rid of just a year of Brian Bickle. What's it going to take to get rid of four years of Brent Seabrook at a much higher cap rate and a much more deteriorated player at this stage of his career? It seems almost you know, impossible and ask to like, what would get Seattle to take that off your hands. But at the same time, when you're a young expansion team and you're putting together a group of players, you need some kind of voice in the room, right? You need that leader to, to stitch it all together. Brent Seabrook checks a lot of boxes for them. And if he's healthy coming off these surgeries, you know, he's still got a couple of years left in him. Maybe it's possible, but Seattle's not going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. It's going to cost the Blackhawks a lot. Yeah, I, I, but I don't want to give it a first rounder because you probably project this team to probably struggle again next season if you're looking to... If you're looking to play young kids again, like you could be a top ten pick again next season. Uh, maybe maybe you're eating some salary. Maybe you're throwing in some prospects. Um, yeah, even now, like if Seber coming back healthy, like I he's gonna be well, he's 35 now, and like that's yeah he's he's just it's it's harder even if he was like if he was doing these surgeries at 30, I I'd, I'd be a little bit more optimistic. Like you don't have as many miles and so much age, and um, it just usually the reality is that. Yeah, father time kind of catches up to a lot of guys at this time. So it's it's one him kind of repairing his body and then also kind of dealing with how old he is now too. So uh, yeah, I don't. I guess right. uh, <laughs> so. That's that, so that's so that's step one is figure out where the heck you are. Are you a team that's trying to win now? And the problem is the Blackhawks keep convincing themselves that they are a team that's trying to win now when they shouldn't be. They should be playing a longer game. But I think that they still think, well, we can make the playoffs next year. We were, we made this postseason tournament. Hey, we beat the Oilers in the series, and they're going to try to make the playoffs next year. They're not going to take a step back. They're not willing to do that. I don't think Stan Bowman's willing to do that. I don't think Rocky and Danny Wirtz are willing to do that. They want to win now. They're not going to win the Cup, but they can make the playoffs. And you make the playoffs, hey, anything can happen. That's going to be the attitude. That was the attitude coming into this season, and that's going to be the attitude coming into next season. So let's say that's the case. All right. You know, we take a look at the big picture. We try to figure out what options we have with Seabrook. We talk to Duncan Keith. The most pressing issue 
more immediate issue, thing you can actually, in your control, it's got to be Corey Crawford, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I heard is they were going to offer one year, a little bit over three million. We'll, we'll you know, like if Crawford. That's Cam Ward money. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a different world, huh? From what Crawford said on his his call recently, like he, it seems like he knows the Hawks are up against it, and he's willing to take some kind of discount and maybe even a couple of years. Uh, I, I if I'm him, I'm still negotiating a little bit, right? Like. Whatever the Hawks come in at, it's probably not what they're willing to pay you. So, um, like, you want to help out the team, but at the same time, you you guys look out for yourself with some bid. So, I, sure. I I think maybe it gets closer to three point five for a year or two. Like, I think I think for I think for Crawford, the biggest thing is going to be getting a second year out of it. Yeah, if he can get two years at three point five, I think he'll take that. If it's one year, he's probably going to want four four point five. So I think I think if you're you know Crawford again he he wants to win right at this stage of his career that's all he cares about is he wants to win he wants to play a lot and he wants to win and if he takes five or six million dollars the Blackhawks aren't going to win next year there's no doubt about that he understands that he's made a lot of money in his career uh, he's a pretty loyal foot soldier um, I think two years three point five two years four million I think that's where they're going to wind up and I think that's that's really good deal for the Blackhawks either way I mean that's that's under market value, certainly for a guy who's still a world class goalie. And, and then it comes up to RFAs. It's the, the main ones are Strom and Kubalik. I, I think with Strom, uh, like it probably sucks for him, but I think the Black you got to play hardball. You, you, you got to play you hardball. Got, you got to qualify him, and you know, like there's he's not going to sit out. He's not going to go play elsewhere. Doubtfully, like it just it's this is what the rules are, and unfortunately, like you know, for you that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we're so far up against it that we got to qualify you and for one year, and then a year from now we'll have a longer conversation. But I, I know the this Marcus is... Kruger deal, right? The Marcus Kruger handshake agreement, right? Yeah, maybe. Where God. you say, don't worry, don't, don't be mad at us, we'll take care of you next year. <laughs> um, yeah, a year from now, maybe the Blackhawks want to trade Stromer, you know? Like, there's if, if they're gonna if they can trade Panarin or Jarmos, and anyone can be traded at some point, so I, I, I think, but at this point, they need to. Uh, they need to sign Strom for the cheapest possible deal, and I also think it's Kubalik's the same sort of like he he has arbitration rights, he has a little bit more, but but for him it's like I want to get to that next probably that third contract now because the next two are kind of screwed just because of um, just what the NHL is. So you want to you want to be in a position where I'm becoming. Uh, my third contract's coming when the NHL is probably coming back to life financially. So maybe maybe they convince him to take two point five or so. You think that's that would be that would be amazing for the Blackhawks. You get Crawford at three point five, and Kubalik at two point five, and Strom at one point five. Whatever the qualifying offer is going to be, even less than that. Oh yeah, it's I less mean, than that. Yeah. You're making out like gangbusters there. I mean, that's that's absolute best case scenario. You know, I wonder. You know, Strom. When we did our, our our anonymous poll back in January, we were talking to guys on the team about their teammates. A lot of people fingered Strom as a future GM. And we all know he's a hockey nerd. He's one of those guys that's on cap friendly, and he knows everything about everybody in the league, and he's really detail oriented. I wonder if he is, and I'm I'm projecting here, but maybe he's more willing to accept the the reality of the situation, and not push and not complain because he gets it. He understands that the cap is flat and that there was a freaking pandemic, and he's not going to be able to maximize his value the way he would want to, and he might be able to tell himself, look, I'm just 23 years old. I like it here. I'll take the qualifying offer. It's not the best situation for me, but I'll go and I'll cash in in a couple of years from now, and I'll be fine. If anyone's going to be willing to do that, Strom strikes me as the type of guy that would understand it the most. You, you know what's interesting? Is, is I was looking at, you know, when I was trying to look and do some research about Cuckoo and, and Mata, 
Um, and they had really, you know, their expected goals and all the numbers are really good from January 9th on. And um, Strom was like the, I think it was right the next, the, the, the most consistent play after them from was Strom from like an expected goals percentage. Like his yeah. season was a little bit up and down, but, and then even the playoffs when, when it wasn't that, uh, you know, that Nylander, the Brinkett Strom line, like when he, Strom was playing elsewhere, like he had some pretty good numbers too and you know he, he scored scored a goal and set up some goals and um like he actually had a decent playoffs too like I think Strom a year from now if he stays healthy and even as the third line center like if you know like Doc's ahead of him in the depth chart and some of that's probably Strom has to realize too is just where he's at but he comes back and he has a type of year um where he had at points this season, I, I think he'd have a pretty good, especially with arbitration rights, you, you'd have a lot more of an argument a year from now. You just kind of suck it up for a year and you'll get some money, you know? Yeah, and, and if Dylan Strom's your third-line center, you're doing all right for yourselves. That's a pretty good down the middle. Taves is still very good. Doc is on the rise. Strom is just a kid, and he's still productive. Uh, when he's been at center, he's been productive. He was not productive on the wing, so you keep him as your third-line center. You need three scoring centers, and you'll, you'll have them. So, I mean, it's it's... You know, if you get Dylan Strom at, you know, what, the league minimum is going to be a million dollars next year, that that's about what his qualifying offer is going to be. I mean, you can't do better than that if you're the Blackhawks. That's, you know, that's a whole lot better than having David Kampf as your third-line center. If you have a, a third-line center of Dylan Strom at that, at that money, at this stage of his career, you know, you're playing with house money, and that's what the Blackhawks need. They need to maximize every penny because they have so few to give. So Crawford, if he gives you a little bit of a discount, and Strom has no options, he has to take the qualifying offer, then you give Kubalik what you give Kubalik on the bridge deal, you know, you can make this work. you got to bring Cuckoo back. He proved to be a, like the ideal number 6-7 defenseman. Um, the, the, the problem is that you're just bringing back the team wholesale, adding yeah. Ian Mitchell and P.U. Suter. Is that enough to make this team go from six points out of the playoffs to comfortably in the playoffs? Well, let's, let's take a quick break here. Let's, we'll hear about one of the Athletics' newest shows. This is the Athletic Football Show. I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing The Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to The Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as The Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. Um... Yeah, and that's the question: is is like if you're bringing back everyone with a few new pieces, like how much are you, how much are you changing this team? I I still think that there's some of like it's altering some of the pieces. Like I don't think Boquist and Keith made a lot of sense. You know, like it's the numbers just they ended up being on the ice a lot, a lot of goals against, and and a lot of it's probably Boquist. I mean, he he's still defensively he's. He, like he doesn't grasp a lot of it, and, and he's really young, and and that's been his weakness too. So he hasn't probably taken a further enough step. So I almost think that Keith and Mitchell, like if Mitchell, I think Mitchell's more defensively sound. Um, but then it's like the larger questions. Like all of a sudden you have Seabrook coming back into the mix, and you, you do unless you buy out Mata, and, and and I think that's what the Blackhawks need to figure out now too. Is that because ultimately if you, you if you even if the numbers that we threw out there for for uh, Strom. Um, Kubalik and Crawford, like that's basically their cap space unless they buy out Smith, which I think is almost a given. But then, 
do you buy out Mata? Like, would you? How much? What do you weigh there? Like, what's what's imp- again? If it's winning now, like Mata probably is the best chance. But uh, like, you have guys knocking on the door, and I don't know if they're necessarily better than Mata. At least what he was giving you the second half of the season. But long term, they're probably what you're what you're hoping for. The thing about Mata, you have to remember, he's only twenty six. He's, yeah. he's younger than Connor Murphy. It feels like he's been around forever because he's won a couple of cups with <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. But he's he's a, he's a young guy. He's in the prime of his career. And like you said, he was very good, not just in the playoffs when he got a couple of fluky goals, but the whole second half of the season, he was he and Cuckoo were really good together. So it is. It's you know we've been we've been un- operating under the assumption for so long now that they they have to buy out Mata. There's no other choice. But how do you get? Does that make you better? It doesn't make you better, but you have to clear a spot for Ian Mitchell. You have to figure out, you know, how to add a little bit of scoring touch beyond Suter. You got to get a backup goalie potentially if you're not comfortable with Subban or Adelia Lankinen and Subban. Uh, there's there's still a lot of things you have to figure out. And if you want to do anything different with this team, you probably have to buy out Mata yeah. or trade him. He might have some trade value now. But again, how does that make you better? How does trading a 26 year old? on a relatively reasonable contract that's locked in for a couple more years, how does that make you better? How does that help you win now? And again, I'm operating under the assumption the Blackhawks are in win-now mode because they always are. They never feel the need to rebuild. So I don't know, you know, your hands are tied again. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You don't get better by trading Olimata, but you don't get better by not getting rid of Olimata's contract. They're screwed in a lot of ways. <laughs> If I'm on another team, though, like I understand where the Hawks are at. Like, why? If if I if I Google Olimata right now, like the, the stories that mostly come up are probably that he's going to be bought out. So, like, <laughs> how much are you, how much are you trading for Mata other than uh, knowing? Like, you probably I, I wouldn't give up anything if I really want Mata. If I'm on another team, like um, maybe a fourth or fifth round draft pick, yeah, That's not or something. Do it. Yeah, it's uh, and and. and it, and, and they traded Cahoon, which you know is not an amazing player, but he like he fit that team. Like I was looking at, I was trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to analyze Debrinket a little bit, and 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 Debrinket a lot of the success last year was with Cahoon and and Strom, and um and this year you know it may have been bad luck or whatever, but you know some of it might be line mates and and those type of things. And they traded Cahoon for Mata because they thought that was important, and then and then obviously they did do the Dahan trade too, but um. Yeah, I don't. I mean, even if, even now, bringing in Mitchell is going to be complicated, right? Like, I, I guess they can buy out Mata and then maybe not re-sign Cuckoo, and then all of a sudden you have spots for Carlson and and Mitchell, and because um, see, like even like you know, I, I imagine they'll let Sealer go through waivers or something like that. But Sealer's even signed for next year. Like that was an interesting signing, picking him off waivers, knowing that he had a couple of years on his deal and. You know, maybe he ends up in, in Rockford. He's not part of that. But, like, he's one of those guys that might end up being, like, their seventh defenseman. Yeah, it's 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 not an ideal situation right now. They're, 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 they have so many contracts with so much term. You know, Stan Bowman's been seeking cost certainty for so long that now they're just boxed in. I mean, you know, this is going to be largely the same team minus Robin Leonard. So how 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 are you getting better? How are you taking steps forward? How are you are you just assuming that Kirby Doc is going to take a huge leap next year, and that that in itself is going to push you over the top, along with you know Mitchell and Suter? I mean, you're you're making a lot of assumptions here that it's going to happen from within, and the Blackhawks have not really shown a propensity for developing players. You know, Doc and Boquist, we'll see how how the curve turns out, but the the, the Hawks' track record here of late hasn't been great. Most of their players have come from Europe. Or have come from other teams. Like their best players have not really kind of crawled up through the Rockford system. When was the last Icehog who came up and made a big impact for this team? 
Uh, Matthew Highmore, I guess. Yeah, Highmore, maybe. Yeah, Hinnestroza yeah. before that. Yeah, I mean, it, there's not a great track record of internal development beyond the can't miss guys like a Kirby Docker and Adam Boquist, top ten picks. Yeah, because even before that was Schmaltz and Terra. I mean, Terravine spent a little bit of time down there. Schmaltz a little bit, but their brief stays where they more they got confidence. There's not been a lot of guys that have. Because ultimately, usually, if you stay in Rockford too long, you end up being uh, a Secura or a Perry or Morin. Right. You know, like it just it's guys that who just yeah they never maybe just never given that opportunity or you know and, and McNeil all those guys didn't really go on to have success elsewhere I mean Perry had a little bit of offensive success but yeah there hasn't been I mean yeah Highmore played the one year then got hurt and then was up and now I guess I, I guess we'll see what ha- happens with like Hagel and because um, even defensively I mean Boca spent very little time and you know Gilbert's yep. come up and Gilbert's struggle for the most part all, and- all their good young players were first round draft picks either for them or for someone else like Dylan Strom or uh, or Alex Dabrinkit went straight to the NHL from the OHL or they're European signees. They have they don't develop anybody into real viable NHL players, and that's a huge concern for a team that's going to be hard up against the cap for years to come if you're not properly developing your talent, or yeah. if you're not getting the talent in Rockford that you need. Yeah, I, I guess the no would have been that if they'd kept them right. Like it was, yeah. Like yeah. at least he had spent some time in Rockford, but yeah, yeah. For the most part, it's it's. I, I guess now we'll see if Dealey, I mean, goalies are different, but yeah, there hasn't been, you know, because even Yoki Haru came straight up and, you know, mm-hmm. a guy like Carlson, it's, like he'll be an interesting case study where he's been down there for two years and he's been really good in, in Rockford, but now, but, but now does he get the chance to because there's so many guys in front of him and uh, even Bodan, like they need, no one's writing Bodan off, but it's like he really struggled, struggled in in Rockford this year and now he's probably going to spend another year there too and they need they need him to obviously kind of develop and be what they hope from drafting him in the first round. So, um, what, what about Kajula? Like it's, he's like, if Shaw's coming back and you're giving up a spot to Pia Suter, like does Kajula still fit in this mix? He's a nice player and everybody, you know, he's a valuable guy. And I mean, I think I'd rather have Kajula than Shaw. I hate to say that, but you know, Shaw at this stage of his career, he's he's always going to be one hit away, and he makes a lot of money still. He's almost close to what four million. You know, if I can get Kajula at one point seven five or two, I think I'd rather have Kajula than Shaw. But that's not an option the Blackhawks really have. Right. Shaw is planning to come back next year, so you have to find room for Andrew Shaw. You can't bury the contract. You're not going to be able to trade it. You can't buy it out probably. So you're you're looking at. You know, is is Drake Kajula a redundancy, or is he a backup plan for the inevitable when Shaw gets hurt again? Uh, it's it's a tough decision because I'd rather have Kajula. He's younger, he's faster, uh, he has some offensive pop to him. He has he has worked well with you know top lines and bottom and fourth lines. He is a more versatile, useful player than Andrew Shaw at this stage of his career. But you know, Andrew Shaw is the bigger contract. He's going to play if he's healthy. So I don't know. I mean. Can you realistically re-sign Kajula if he's not going to be, if he's just going to be a fourth-line guy? Is he? Is it a necessary signing? So off the roster that finished the playoffs, like who? Well, I guess Nylander sat that last game, but I mean he's probably penciled in. Like who? You bring in Suter, he replaces one person. Um, Shaw replaces a second person. So even off of, uh, and, and then this is assuming again Zach Smith's bought out because there's really no spot for him. And yeah, it's. Yeah, I, even from I mean, I feel like you have to create even another spot too. Like I think Nylander next year, like they need to go in and and just be like, 
if he's playing well, then fine. Like he costs us very little, and I, I think he can. He'll still be able to be sent down next year. But like they have to have that flexibility where like if it's not going well, um, you, you need you you can't have him just taking up a spot just because that's that's what you hope that happens. You know, like he right. he held you back at times, especially in the playoffs. And as good as he was in in the return to play training camp, like he just he yeah he, he was like he didn't have a point in the in this entire playoffs, and that's. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you—they penciled him into such a large role last year. Like you, you can't really do that again next season. They're going to. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, but they're going to. They are. They are. Uh, they are eyeball deep, pot committed on Alex Nylander at this point. I, I can't. I can't envision them punting on him yet. And I'm not saying they should punt on him yet. He's 22 years old. Yeah. But he can't be in that top six role for 30, 40 game stretch when he's not producing. You have to treat him like the player he is. Right now, he is an unproductive, unreliable, kind of soft winger. And you have to treat him as such. Just because he's a top pick and just because you traded one of your top prospects for him, you can't treat him any differently. What's, what's strange is, I mean, he, he, he'd he been in the league a little bit longer, but, I mean, they sent Schmaltz down. They sent Tara Vinen down. Like, it was strange that he never got... Like, he, he has a really He's good... He's waivers re- exempt, right? He, he doesn't need to go through waivers. No, no, that's the thing. Like, he could have been sent to Rockford. He he has a really good relationship with Anders Sorensen, uh, Rockford assistant. Like, go build some confidence. Go, you know, like, you could... You just have different development times down there, too, just where, the working on the ice. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems strange that they... His numbers, is like, like he ended up having what, what, ten goals, and some of his five on five numbers were, were fine. But it's just it's, well, when he it's got when he scored, they, he scored in bunches. So, yeah. I mean, he, you know, it, it's not like he was a consistently every now and then chipping in. He would be like, oh, it looks really good for a week, and then he'd vanish for a month. So, did, did we fix the Blackhawks? I think we brought back pretty much <laughs> the exact same team. So, I don't think we did. Uh, but this is the problem. Look at Cap Friendly right now. How That's unusual is it? In front of it, yeah. You have an entire team where you have one UFA. It's Corey Crawford, the guy you need to resign the most. Even you go into the prospects. I mean, Anton Vadim, Joseph Cramarosa, well, they, and they, TJ they, they Brennan. Tra- they traded Gustafson and Leonard, so those two would have been on there. Well, yeah, that's true. But that's that's because they were sellers, because they weren't very good. <laughs> right. They have a team that is locked in. A team that is stuck in the middle, running in place, and unfixable. Like you know, I don't think you can. I don't think you can fix the Blackhawks right now. It's not realistic, especially in a flat cap world where nobody has space to take on any assets. There's no Arizona Coyotes coming to the rescue to take a bad contract off your hands. This is what the Blackhawks are, and this is what they're going to be. My guess is that they're going to be similar, slightly better, and I, I think you know, then if they're in the same spot next year, like it's like Sods, you know, someone they can sell at the deadline. And I, again, yep. I think you have that conversation with Keith and you need to talk to Seattle about Seabrook, but um, yeah, I, I think Sod will be interesting. Cause I don't, like he hasn't been bad. I mean, he probably hasn't been what they hope for, but, and you know, he was probably one of the better players in the playoffs too, but it's just, it's, he carries a lot of salary that's going to be expendable here uh, where they're still locked into a lot of guys for another season. So I, I wonder if he, uh, whether whether they maybe maybe they look at trading him this off season or you know certainly if things aren't going right next year he is the most tradable guy you have I mean he's on an expiring contract he's a very good player he's a two time Cup champion Brandon Sod has value and he has been very good even when he's not producing we all know how good he is overall but again does that make you better what do you do with that six million dollars are you gonna go out and get Taylor Hall I mean that's not gonna happen so I I, I it's, well, that's, 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 
mean, what you were saying about even next year, I mean, it's crazy. Two years from now, after the 21-22 season, the only UFAs would be Saad Smith and Nick Sealer of the main group. Exactly. <laughs> like, this, this, is the, this is what Stan Bowman wanted. He wanted cost certainty, and he got it. And I'm not sure it was the right option. I think, you know, I, I always say I'd love to see the NHL go to more of an NBA model where you sign everybody for one or two years at a time and you can constantly kind of change your philosophy every couple of years and empower and it would empower the players. But the players don't want that. The hockey players want stability. They want long-term deals. And NHL GMs want cost certainty. And this is what you get. You get very little upward mobility in the standings. You get stuck. As you have you have your elite teams and you have your shitty teams, and then you got teams like the Blackhawks that are just kind of there. And it's hard to envision the Blackhawks going one way or the other. They're going to be just there this year. They're going to be just there next year. They're going to be just there the year after that. They can make the playoffs. Again, with Mitchell and Suter and the development of Doc, this team can certainly get a little bit better. But there's no path to Stanley Cup contention here. And that's the problem. I wonder if you had a philosophy where you, you wouldn't re-sign guys past a year or two when they became UFAs, or if you had like an age limit, like I'm not going to re-sign anyone that's after 30. And certainly you'd walk away for some good players, but like like if ultimately if you were always bringing in young guys and developing guys like, and, and kind of sticking to the plan of not trading your prospects, like I wonder what the result would end, end up being. Nobody would want to sign with you because everybody in the NHL wants long-term deals. Like how are you going to improve in free agency if you're not willing to commit to more than two years? Well, I'm just saying. What if you you never did it? Like, if you just you decided I'm gonna keep through guys through, uh, you know, until their RFA's, until they're 26, 27, and then you just let them walk. You just try to build Team North America every three years. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'm just I, I don't know. You I'm just, you, I, I'm just you wouldn't win shit, but it would be fun. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so you're actually you're going on vacation for a few weeks, and then I'm gonna go on for vacation for a few weeks. And by vacation, I'm going to be driving back and forth, moving boxes. Yeah, by vacation, I'll be exciting. sitting here and doing nothing, but yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, well, so September is the new August. I mean, August is usually the month where everybody in the hockey world disappears. This year, it's September, because October, you're going to have, you know, it's draft. kind of the compressed off season. The draft will be in October, and, you know, then you're going to start figuring out how the next season is going to be. Free agency is going to happen in a flash, and, you know, before we know it, it's going to be the... 2020, 21. I can't even say. I just say just say twenty twenty one season. Yeah, because if you say twenty twenty slash twenty twenty one, it's too many twenties. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like the uh, the first year when we started on the beat. Like it was, it was technically the two thousand twelve thirteen season, but there were never any games played. Yeah, I always just call it the twenty thirteen season because it started yeah. January nineteenth. Yeah, and and there's a possibility that's. I mean, that could be end up being what here this year too. Yeah, I think the Winter Classic is going to be opening day. That's the plan. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to start the season. Yeah, um, I guess we won't be going back to uh, Europe, huh? Um, I don't think we're allowed. You know, it's crazy. It's almost <laughs> a year ago. Like it's, I mean, that was what September, right? This has been a very, very long year. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. Do you uh, do you have anything add? Anything we missed on our our being GMs here? Um, no. I think I think no. we've we've solved everything. <laughs> Um, I, I think you and I are being dispatched in the Middle East to solve world peace because Jared Kushner is not doing a good job, and uh, we're going to take over that Rob that job next. It sounds like I, we maybe get a maybe get a call from the Panthers. They're they're looking for the GM. Maybe they listen to us. And... 
You know, the Panthers, we've had uh, Kevin Weeks, Eddie Olchek. I, I think you joked that they're just going off of the list we came up with of the Blackhawks uh, a couple months back. <laughs> they're just reading our athletic story. A and going, list. We'll call this guy, we'll call this person. Yeah, it was a good yeah. list. I know yeah. that some of those names the Blackhawks have talked to, too, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, well, enjoy your uh, your moving. Yeehaw, um, baby. Yeah, call me if you need help, but don't call me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Once, you hit, once uh, you hit 40 years old, you're not allowed to ask your friends to help you move. That's the rule. Yeah. Yes. Or and I, and I joke that I think you, you still you still have to offer just because, but you just hope the other person's not an <laughs> asshole, right? Um, <laughs> right? From Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers talking. I can help even just a little.